This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Well, great. Hey, I'm pleased uh, that we have a visitor here, but Ray. Ray, and Ray's got a great story to tell, and Ray has done well in treatment. But um, yeah, I mean, I always appreciate people that come in and actually tell their story so that other people can listen to their experiences and oftentimes relate and know what it's like on the other side, you know, after treatment and, and being uh, sober and um, that it's worth it. And it wasn't easy, I'm sure, but, but you know, you can, you can tell yourself. So, so when was it that you first became addicted to opioids? Um, well, I don't know when the opioids part really started. I, mm-hmm. I started with my addiction very young, at like 12 years old. Wow. Um, I started out as an IV drug user doing methamphetamines, cocaine, all kinds of you know drugs. When I was little, my brothers, you know, they was all getting high. And what part of the country was this in? I lived in Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney, yeah. where the little groundhog is. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was up there, and um, but it it just kept growing. You know, I, I went to prison and back out. I've been in treatment. Uh, I think I successfully completed 17 treatments. Yeah. Um, I've never been able to stay clean before this one, ever. This is the first time I've ever got any substantial clean time is through the MAP program. Right, right. Medica- uh, medication-assisted treatment, absolutely. And so, and so, I mean, first it was methamphetamines, perhaps, huh? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, in IV use. Yes. At a very young age, because you were exposed to it through... Through my brother, my siblings, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, my cousins, everybody. It was, you know, we're kind of backwoods, and yeah. it's just like, I was the younger of the crowd, but I thought I was the bigger guy, I guess. Right, yeah. yeah so, so you've been through some experiences, I imagine. A lot of them. On the hunt for whatever had a hold of you at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what are the, some of the some of the things that that you did when you were addicted to different medications that you normally would never do? Probably. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I I was in a band, you know, and we did a lot of drugs in bands when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd stay up for days at a time, you know, and I'd do heroin to come down and methamphetamines to, to keep up, up, you know. And I, it's just one and another, just back and forth all the time. A lot of just like partying non-stop uh, back in my methamphetamine days you know we would stay up for sometimes up to almost 30 days at a time you know wow. and, and never even go to sleep and then mm-hmm. we would take opioids you know to bring us down and then we go yeah. right back up and it's just it's a vicious vicious cycle mm-hmm. not uncommon yeah mm-hmm. a downer and then an upper just to yeah yep over and, over. and so your band traveled around a little bit uh we went yeah quite a bit you know uh we was around here in kansas i lived in emporia mm-hmm. it's a college town you know and i got into there i started getting into a lot of lsd and that's when more opioids you know mm-hmm. down there and around the college town a lot of that does date you a little bit, you know the LSD. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, it's been a while back, but you know, in in the middle of all these bouts, uh, I kept going to prison. You know, I'd use and I'd go to prison, and I would use and go to prison. And what would you go to prison for? I mean, I'm assuming um, it's drug related. It was drug related. I had sales of LSD was my original sentence. Mm-hmm. I got a seven to twenty eight year sentence for sales of LSD mm-hmm. from, I mean, using and selling. You know, and selling right. to use. Yeah. Um, is all it was, and then as I would get out of prison, I'd be on parole or whatever, and I couldn't stay clean. Mm-hmm. But you, generally, to get out of prison, they would make me go to treatment. 
Right. And so I would volunteer to go to treatment to get out of prison. Mm -hmm. I would go to treatment uh, and I'd successfully complete it so I could get out of prison. Right. And then I would use immediately. Usually on the way home I would get high or whatever. Because you I, want to I, celebrate your new release. <laughs> I, new freedoms. I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, it's it is unusual. Yeah. Yes, it, it is fair to say. Yeah. You know, uh, it's that's just the way it goes. You know, when you yeah. get out of prison, I mean, uh, when you go there, you run into a lot of your old friends and stuff from the street. Mm -hmm. They're in there, and so then I'm using in prison, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to get clean to get out of prison, and then I am somewhat clean, you know, but it's never been a desire to stay clean, you know. It was always, I would just get clean to be released and to get out. And you were looking forward to release so you could use again. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I would do. And, and so, so what was it that clicked on in one day where all of a sudden you didn't just get released and use again? Or what was it that, that helped you? Um, this place is the only thing that's ever done it. It was the Center for Change. Uh, this is the only time in my life that I've been clean this long. I came to Center for Change uh, in November of 2018. I've been clean since then. Um, I was had a bad heroin addiction here in Wichita. Um, I was between me and my fiance, I was buying about $200 worth of heroin a day. Right. Every day, I mean, just to mainly be unsick. So you um, could take over a gram a day even. Absolutely, every day. Yeah. Uh, me, I would, for me and for her, you know. And I, it got to the point where I really wasn't getting high anymore. I was just trying to be not sick. Yeah. I was so sick. Every, every day I'd wake up, uh, I'd have me a little dose, you know, to get me going to go get some more. And it just got, it got to the point where I just couldn't do it no more. Right. I just could not do it. I was just trying to not be sick, and then I was fighting, and I was losing everything I had. You know, I was losing my home, my everything. You know, I got a beautiful woman, a home, and children, and car. I mean, I had everything, and I was just watching it all go, and yeah. it, it just kept going and going and going. What it wasn't going, I was throwing it away. You know, I just kept throwing it away and throwing it away to get more dope, and then. I so you literally, you had a you had <laughs> had a good job, but, you know, maybe yeah. several. But I mean, mm -hmm. you had everything going for you at one time: house, job, yeah. children. Mm -hmm. But and still, couldn't get off. No, because I would have to do it to not be sick. Yeah. I mean, I would be. The sickness from uh, heroin is just incredible. I mean, it's just you're so sick you can't do, you can't do anything but try not to be sick. I mean, that's yeah. all. It, then if you notice the anxiety associated with it is even worse than, what, I mean, you truly believe that it's life or death? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. Absolutely, because it feels like you can feel the sickness coming on, and the sickness feels like death. It feels like you're yeah. dying, or, or you could die. I mean, it literally feels that horrible, you know, and for me to run around and try and get a fix or try to get, a, it was worse than that because I wasn't just trying to support myself. I was trying to do it for my Right. My girl too, you know. So I was trying to get two fixes and or split one, and so I could keep going to find more and more. Oh man, it's just chaos. It was horrible. Four hundred dollars a day plus just to feel normal. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yep. probably twice that if you want to get a euphoria. I know it right. sounds like you build up such a tolerance that it wasn't about. Right. It was. I had a two hundred dollar day habit to not be sick. That wasn't yeah. to party or to have fun. That was just to be well. You know, to so where I could function, to where. I didn't have to hide in the bedroom and from the kids were, you know, because I had children in the house and mm -hmm. I don't really want to hang out with the kids while I'm trying not to shit my pants or what. I mean, you're, right. you're extremely sick, you know, yeah. so I didn't want them to see me that way. So I'd be hiding in the bedroom, you know, and then they'd be like, Dad, what's wrong? 
you know, and I'm trying to pretty much talk through the door and, and all that, and it's just, I just got completely disgusted. I mean, I, I couldn't do it no more. Yeah. You know, I, I literally, I just, I couldn't do it. So when did you decide? You made a decision mm -hmm. one day, hey, I'm, because maybe before the motivation was to get out of prison or the motivation was to get, you weren't, you weren't serious. But so, something clicked in you, and you decided to get serious. Well, when when we were in the middle of getting high, my girlfriend, she wasn't doing IV drugs. She would smoke heroin and all that stuff, no, but no IV drugs. Uh, the day that I decided, when all this was going on, we had talked to people that had been to the methadone clinics around, you know, right. but we didn't really understand what it was or anything. We just heard, you know, the methadone thing or heard in the song or whatever, you know, but we really didn't know. Is it a song? But, yeah, Kid Rock song. You know, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but we heard of it, but we didn't really know what it was or how right. it worked. I actually have a child that goes here to the clinic that mm -hmm. I knew had been going here for over four years, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what it really was about, you know, or, right. or how it worked. I had no idea about becoming stable on a dose of methadone and mm -hmm. what it would do to the way I think and act and yeah. everything. I mean, it just changes everything about my whole life. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, you know, I started using so young. I smoked pot from the time I was literally like eight years old. I mm -hmm. smoked pot continuously the whole time. I've even quit smoking pot now wow. since yeah. I'm on methadone. I don't know that the methadone has anything to do with me smoke, right. quitting smoking pot because, you know, I could smoke pot and it wouldn't really affect my program, mm -hmm. although well, it would affect a lot of other things as far as UAs and jobs and uh, financial as far as me being able to afford to buy my methadone and all that stuff so I just didn't mm -hmm. I, I just decided that I wasn't gonna smoke no more and I it was really actually kind of simple for me to stop now yeah and all this time I couldn't stop you want to know why that is I don't know why oh so I, I want to know why well I'm just saying methadone and maybe you, you've noticed how your brains changed back but methadone doesn't just stop cravings and withdrawals and sickness but it actually stabilizes your mood. So literally, the overactive part of your fight or flight, the primitive portion of your brain that's activated that causes so much anxiety and so much, right now everything's falling apart, everything's life or death, it actually starts to calm down and you re-engage frontal logic portion of your brain and you start feeling back in control and thinking of the future and all that. So other things, like the anxiety is in part just due to being in constant fight or flight, survival mode, survival wow. mode, right? I mean, have mm -hmm. you noticed your brain literally start to shift? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. In fact, you know, uh, you treated me for a little bit when I was here with some anxiety problems that I was having. When I first came in, yeah. I had a lot of anxiety problems, you know, and I did some medication. And I did it for about uh, six or seven months over, I guess, or something like that. And then, you know, as I started going through the program, I just, I just started feeling a lot better, you know. I don't... Not sick. <laughs> not sick yeah. every day like I was, you know, which is a big thing. I don't have to go try to find a way not to be sick every right. day. And that was a lot of, that's the anxiety before when before I'd even go to sleep I was thinking about what I was gonna do the next day. Yeah. You know? So I'd freak out all night long and couldn't sleep and then to go and try to do it all over. Now you know you dose and the rest of the day is your own to do with whatever you want. That's right. And yeah. you've got the certainty or the confidence that it'll be there tomorrow. Yes. Is that fair to say? Yes. I don't have to yeah. chase it around. I know where it's at. Doctor, I've noticed in, uh, well, probably in half the videos we've done uh, so far or podcasts uh, that 
there's one characteristic that's the same with everybody is that when they see you mm -hmm. or when they come here, they they change. I mean, this is when they is the defining moment, and I'm going to boost your ego a little bit, but. Um, Dr. Lakin's just one of a kind. Is mm -hmm. I mean, it, what I'm hearing is that when you came here, this is the first time you really wanted to quit. This is the first. Yes, I, I never had the desire to quit as I do now. Like now, I don't want to use. I I try to talk other people out of using now. Right. You know, before I I used with them. <laughs> I would go. I would chase it everywhere. You know. Yeah. I just I really do not have that desire to use anymore now. I can see what it was doing in my life, where I was going, what I had lost. I didn't have, I didn't have no desire. Well, know? and you know when I know when people come here, they're in that fight or flight yeah. all the time, and they want the quick fix, quick fix, and they're used to a pill. They want it to work right away. Right. So you got to show enough patience that you'll let, whether it's methadone or suboxone or you know buprenorphine kind of product. You got to give it long enough chance to start to stabilize your mood. And then you got to give your brain a chance to start changing back and getting out of that primitive reactive state. And then now you you're back in control. I mean, don't you right. feel like you're back in control? I do. I, I absolutely do. I <coughs> excuse me. I I attended a lot of groups here at Center for Change. Um, I don't have to go to two a month in my treatment program. I literally was when I first started. I was going to at least at least three a week. Most time five. <laughs> Most time five days a week. I was going to group just to come in and listen to other people's stories that was getting clean because I wanted to be clean real bad. I, yeah. I wanted to see how they was doing it, you know, and a lot of people, I would hear different, like, war stories in the line, you know, mm -hmm. up there of people on it for so long and can't get off it and how it's worse to get off of than mm -hmm. other drugs and whatever, you know, and to be honest, I still have a little bit of fear about coming off of it, you know, right. and tapering down and all that because I've never done that before, you know, right. now, now that I've got on it and I've become stable with my dose and everything, I've been at the same dose for, oh, I guess at least eight or nine months, but yeah. at least that. But I, you know, I feel stable. You know, I don't. Sure. And even if I would to miss a day's dose for some reason, you know, I couldn't get here or whatever, I don't think that it would freak me out or nothing. You right. Know? I mean, I think I would be okay. You know, for that one day, but I don't want to try it. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I notice once we get people their, their anxiety calm down or, or or get their brain kind of shifted back. Um, yeah, they're able to titrate down slowly, you mm -hmm. know, but we got to make sure we treat the underlying anxiety or, or any other underlying mood disorder that's going to cause a relapse. So, but I mean, slow and steady, slow and steady is the course. Well, that's wonderful. So you survived being in a rock band. <laughs> I mean, you're sharp as a tack. I mean, you're, you know, you're great at telling your story. Um, you played what instrument? I play rhythm guitar and sing. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. And then what, what, what are you doing now going forward? Uh, well, now, uh, recently, I, I, I generated a lot of health problems from using, I mean, uh, I had hepatitis, mm -hmm. serious, serious ones, you know. Um, like, like liver failure, jaundice. Yeah, um, I literally, mm -hmm. <laughs> this all just changed in my life within the last few weeks. I mean, mm -hmm. You're probably not even aware of this yet, mm -hmm. but I started getting healthier since I got clean. I started going to the doctor more regularly, having some checkups. Yeah. And they got a lot of treatments now for uh, liver problems and everything. Right. Well, I've had hepatitis for over 20 years from mm -hmm. shooting up, tattooing in prison, everything, you know, right. just dirty, serene, mm -hmm. just the whole nasty deal of using. It's created a lot of liver problems from me. Mm -hmm. um, I had hepatitis B and hepatitis C. Right. And they told me 
with the other treatment for hepatitis C, mm -hmm. they couldn't treat me because I had hepatitis B. Mm -hmm. And they said, and once you had hepatitis B, or if they try to treat you for the C, it could reactivate the hepatitis B and it right. could kill you. So they mm -hmm. wouldn't treat me. Yeah. Well, they literally had brought the uh, preacher in there to tell me that there was nothing they could do for me, that I was going to die. Because you were in the hospital with liver failure. Yes, and yes. they told me I was going to die from hepatitis and the only thing that they could do was give, replace my liver, mm -hmm. you know. And so I was like, well, okay, you know, I didn't really freak out or nothing about it. I just figured, you know, it was going to take about 20 years off my life. I'm 55 years old now, right. so I'm like, well, I probably don't got a whole long time to go, you mm -hmm. know. Well, here recently, as I started going to the doctor, I went in just like uh, within the last month, mm -hmm. and they told me that my hepatitis B has resolved itself. Excellent. It done this by itself just mm -hmm. recently. I mean, it just happened. Mm -hmm. So now they're willing to treat me for the hepatitis C, and they're saying that they can cure it. One pill a day. Well, yeah, well, I think they said three pills a day. Oh. <laughs> Some new thing that they're doing. Yeah, okay. But they said like three pills a day, and they're saying that they can cure the hepatitis C. Mm -hmm. The only reason that they can do this in my life now is because I'm clean from not doing <coughs> all the other drugs. And, yeah. and the only reason I'm clean is because of being here. Right. This is the only reason. Yeah. No, there's no use treating hepatitis C if you're going to reinfect yourself. Right. You know, or there's no use to be on a transplant list if you're going to nuke your new liver. Right. So, no, that's wonderful. Well, great. Excellent. And so, the, the missus and uh, the kids, how are they doing? Awesome. I mean, uh, my missus, she does treatment also. She, uh, she has insurance that covers her, so she goes to a different clinic to get her methadone. Right. However, she recently started going to school. She got her... Uh, CNA's license and got a good job. She's working nights. Mm -hmm. um, she's not using it anymore. She's been clean. She came here with me when all this started. Right. Um, so we both been clean. We got the same clean date. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been clean the whole time, and she still is. And she's planning on coming back over here real soon because mm -hmm. <laughs> she's going to lose all of her insurance now that she's got a good job and everything. Yeah. So she she wants to be back over here. She really likes it here. Mm -hmm. You know, the groups and the counselors and. Everybody's just. You've got a good counselor, absolutely. <clears throat> and then your boy. Tell me about your boy. Which one? Well, the one that comes here. Is he so? Oh, that's that's my daughter. Okay. <laughs> it's a girl. Okay. She she comes here. Um, I don't really know what to say about her. She struggles a lot, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> she's younger and uh, she's in the party stage, you know. Still, mm -hmm. she don't really, she don't have the desire so much to stay clean, but. If she would focus more on coming here and getting stable on her dose, mm -hmm. I believe all that would change. I believe that if she got stabilized on mm -hmm. her methadone, then she would want to use. But she struggles so much, she goes out with her friends and then she don't make it here in time. So then she mm -hmm. tries to medicate herself with street drugs and whatnot. And it's just... There's some scary stuff out there now too, isn't it, there? It, yeah, it's yeah. really bad. It's I mean, not like the heroin of old or anything. No, it's, yeah. it's bad. It's, yeah. There's a lot of it out there. Uh, and even, you know, when I just, I've only been off it for a little over a year, mm -hmm. but even then, you know, the fentanyl and stuff, yeah. I mean, it's really bad, uh, and it's a sad thing, you know, kind of when I was chasing the heroin, I wanted it with the fentanyl in mm -hmm. it, you know, uh, I yeah. wanted that high, that's, that's kind of what I chased, and now it's like, when I think about it, you know, that I'm thinking correctly, mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> part Isn't of that it. crazy? Yeah, there's it's just so nuts. many overdose deaths lately with fentanyl laced. Mm -hmm. You know, and like you said, if you survive the high, it was awesome. Yep. However, there's no guarantee you'll survive the high. And that's true. Went to another funeral not too long ago. So, yep. yeah. Well, good. Any other messages for people out there on you know how to how to succeed? What were your secrets? Um, 
I don't know that there's any secret. I mean, you just really, you need to come down uh, and listen to the counselors, whatever they tell you to do. Um, it was really easy to get my dose stabilized because they started me out at wherever I was. I don't remember, but I, yeah. they, they let me go at my pace to go up mm -hmm. to where I wasn't sick no more right. or whatever to get stable. You know, they kept checking all my withdrawal signs and everything mm -hmm. to see where I was at until I become stable. It was really easy to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. it, that part really was easy. The hardest thing was to not spend that first fifty dollars <laughs> to yeah. uh, you know to come in to take my assessment or whatever. Your blood work, yeah. Yeah, that was literally the hardest part of is coming to treatment. Initial, well, that first day always is. Mm -hmm. That was the that was the hardest part. The rest of it has been. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never missed. I've never relapsed. Uh, I've taken all my doses. Um, I don't expect me to miss one now. You know, I just no don't. reason to think you would. It sounds like you feel like you're back in control. And I noticed early on, it's the hardest. Nobody, but nobody can make progress in groups or or work on themselves while they're feeling sick. You right. know. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you titrate up slowly till there's no cravings, no withdrawals, and you're good for your entire day. And then all of a sudden. You've done it, you know, right. and you let your brain go ahead and shift where... And, and sometimes you know. that kind of, it makes you stop, you know, and think, mm -hmm. wow, I, I really did this, you know, of, of using this long, you know, mm -hmm. figure of me using since I was 12 years old, I'm 55, yeah. you know, that's a long time of IV use and drugs and being sick, and a lot of different illnesses, you know, with yeah. the hepatitis, everything, you know. Um, and and you probably had some major abscesses. Oh, you got to worry about cardio, you know, cardiovascular issues, especially yeah. about vegetation, and heart valves, kidneys. But I mean, it sounds like you partied like a rock star and survived. Huh? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I really did. I, I don't know how I made it without, yeah. without dying. I mean, God must have some kind of plan for me. Oh. Um, you know, through the whole deal, and it's yeah. working. It's, I'm yeah. clean. I, I feel good. Nothing's more powerful than a good success story. So maybe God's plan is to let you help people. Which I, I appreciate you. you coming and telling your story because it's. Takes a lot of courage, but it's. I mean, the sole reason is to help others yes. through your story. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for having you me. You got this. All right. Right here. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.